Hello and thanks for streaming The Near Futurist, a show presented by me, Guy Clapperton. This is a fortnightly look at the technologies that are going to affect our lives in, wait for it, the near future. In this episode, we're looking at something we hardly dared think about only weeks or months ago. What's going to happen to our working patterns once the COVID-19 vaccines are fully in place? Now, let's put our cards on the table here. This is the second episode of 2021, but I'm recording in December 2020, only days after the first person in the UK was vaccinated. So there may already have been developments by the time you hear this, but what's certain is that we can't go on as we've been doing forever. My guest to discuss this is a technologist who has access to research that suggests people aren't eager to get back to the office anytime soon. That's are not eager. Work doesn't necessarily mean the office, of course, it actually means what you do and how much of it, rather than where you happen to do it. She has an excellent track record in leadership, change management, business development and solution sales and has been a press spokesperson for VMware for a decade. She is Christine Dahl-Steidel. Christine, welcome. Thank you so much, Guy. Thank you for having me on. You're more than welcome. So first of all, tell me and the listeners a bit about VMware and what you do. So, you know, today every organization needs this digital foundation to really adapt and transform to new market conditions. And that is what VMware does in essence. We deliver this digital infrastructure, a platform, if you want to, that allows you to build, run, connect and protect all your applications everywhere. So it's on a corporate enterprise level rather than something an individual would be particularly aware of. Yes. On the one hand, it is. But, you know, for me, I run VMware's end-user computing organization across Europe, Middle East, and and Africa. And for our end-user solutions, we both take care of having this platform to manage all your corporate systems and to get that access in an efficient and secure way. But we also provide this digital workspace that the user sees every day when you log on to all your corporate systems. Okay, good. So we don't know yet how the vaccines will work. We hope they'll become effective and widely available as early as possible in 2021. That's just common sense. Of course, we hope that. But if that happens, um, are people going to be eager to leave all this uh, homeworking behind and get back to seeing people doing things like shaking hands, do you think? Well, immediately, yes, indeed. I'm 100% sure that most people, like I, we are really longing to get back to meeting our colleagues and, you know, chatting by the coffee machine, meeting in, in person, having physical meetings where you can draw on a physical whiteboard and, you know, just meet your colleagues to, to give them a hug. You know, we are social creatures and, you know, we miss out on so much when we only meet virtually with body language, signals, you know, the emotions that, that you get when you really meet people. So definitely. But I don't think in the long run that we will ever go back to where we used to be. Uh, That's interesting because I keep hearing about Zoom fatigue. It's a very common buzzword. Aren't a lot of people just going to want to switch the blasted screen off and just have a meeting over coffee? I mean, I'm British, so yes, we'll have a hug, but then pretend it never happened after uh, (laughs) a couple of days. But, um, you know, seriously, there is this thing about physical meeting again. There is that excitement. Are you saying that's going to be short-lived or that we're going to go back to... I hate the phrase a new normal, but uh, a, a new way of working. Yeah, I definitely think that it will be different in, in the future, Guy. And, you know, I mean, for me, I'm from Norway. I am a hugger. But even for my my UK colleagues, you know, I do I do hug them. And, you know, that's necessary for me to get the energy. 
but you know, to, to get a better understanding of this dynamics of the future of work or of the new normal, if you want, you know, at VMware, we, uh, we conducted a survey together with analysts Vance and Born. It's called Trends in the Distributed Workforce. Uh, and we really wanted to get under the skin of the new requirements and the shift in organizations in response to COVID-19. Uh, and, and this survey has collected data across the globe from almost 6,000 respondents, and half of them are from Europe. So we have some good insights into what UK employees, for instance, are thinking about the new normal. Uh, and it's quite clear from our research that employees in the UK, they are in no rush to return to the office. Actually, more than half of them now see the ability to work remotely as a prerequisite rather than a perk. And that is an increase from 22% last year. It's interesting because the law in uh, the UK, and I believe this came from uh, the EU because we were, until very recently, um, members, uh, the the yeah. law says that people may uh, request working from home or working remotely. And uh, it's uh, actually down to the employer to say yes or no and to prove that, uh, that they shouldn't be if it's not feasible. And so you're saying that people are now actually likely to start taking this up even after COVID's over. Yeah, and I think, you know, the key here, guys, is, is really this distributed way of working because we're not going back to having, you know, this full day in the office every day. I mean, if, if this period of national lockdowns have proved anything to the business world, it is that a distributed way of working can work. And indeed, it has worked, you know, since I've been at working from my home office since February. And most of us, you know, still live this model of work every day. But as we go into some kind of new normal, we won't think about remote work, but more a distributed way of work. We call it the anywhere organization. And, you know, it's the work is a blend of, you know, office, headquarters, home office, on the move, whenever we uh, can travel again. This is making a lot of sense to me as somebody who's been a home worker since uh, 1993. We have had mixed messages from the government in the UK, but uh, one of the sounds that they were making, one of the noises they were making, uh, was the plan to urge people to go back to work, to get the economy moving. It's not just people like you and I who are able to work in this distributed, in this anywhere way, but it's also the transport services, the coffee shops, the bars, uh, those are the, the office cleaners, the facilities management people. Those services, that's going to be important. This, is, this isn't just a minor way of changing because people like it better. There's a whole infrastructure implication, isn't there? It is, absolutely. And, and, you know, obviously we need to keep the wheels in motion in terms of the economy. But I don't think people are going to be so much less mobile. It's just that they will work in a different way. So people will be, you know, less obligated to go into the large city hubs and they will work more distributed. But still, you know, they will absolutely be using transportation services. They will be going to bars. They will use restaurants. But I think also the benefits, you know, the, the less strains on the infrastructure, on the roads, the less commute we have to do, uh, how, you know, organizations can think differently around how they build out their headquarters versus the more remote offices. So I think there are a lot of implications and they will all have an impact on the economy. But, you know, some areas uh, might see that they really have been disrupted by this and, and they need to change to meet the new market conditions. And, and other areas will, will bloom and blossom and, and grow even further. So give me a few headlines. What are people telling you in terms of your findings internationally? 
In general, for uh, for Europe, we saw that almost 60% of the respondents, again, sees this ability to work remotely as a prerequisite. And two-thirds of all the respondents believe that the organization is now realizing the benefits of remote working, and they do not anticipate going back to where they were before. And surprisingly, I would say, almost 90, 90, 90% says that they have adopted surprisingly well to working remotely full-time. I think it's, it's really about, you know, being forced into this, you know, very unexpected period in, in our lives. But it has proven, again, that this remote model, it, it can work. And, you know, I'm not advocating for the remote model full-time. I've been a road warrior, I would say, for the last 10 years, you know, working across offices in, in the Nordics, in the Baltics, and, and in EMEA for the last three years. But I've always used a blend of working from home, being in different offices, being in customer meetings, seminar, conferences, and, you know, having that ability. I think that is what will be, you know, the, the new norm. Do you want to sound as confident as my interviewee in this episode? If you talk to the press or other media, are you worried you'll be misquoted, or they'll just publish their story and not yours? Clapperton Media Associates can help with coaching. Drop me a note, guy at clapperton.co.uk, and we'll arrange a time for an exploratory call. Now, back to the podcast. I do have some knowledge here, having co-written and researched a book that came out as long ago as 2014. It was called The Smarter Working Manifesto, if anybody happens to be walking past Amazon and needs to order one. But it seemed at the time, and still does, that an awful lot of people will, as you say, get on with their work quite happily if they're given a clear brief and left alone, uh, because they're what we call in the trade adults. Um, but uh, there are difficulties, there can be issues. What uh, issues are people coming across and how can organisations like VMware help? Well, I think on the one hand, as you say, people do get along, you know, they, they do their job, even if they do not have a manager watching over them 100% of the time. And also our research shows that, you know, 33% of all the respondents says that there has been an increase in productivity and also an increase in morale. People feel more empowered to speak up in meetings. It's easier to attract talent. So clear benefits of just getting on with it, doing our work. But some of the issues that we see is in particular the fact that people feel obligated to work beyond hours. It feels to very, I think almost 60% says that they have some kind of feeling that the work-life balance is not what it used to be. And we also see that managers still have trust issues in terms of really trusting their people to get on with the work and, and managing you know, the output of work rather than the time behind the desk. I think that's right. Uh, that there is a, a powerful thing about training the managers. And I, I also recognize what you were saying about the ability to stop working and having the confidence to say that's the end of my working hours. When people used to ask me when I first started working from home about how I managed to motivate myself, it wasn't the work that was the problem. It was motivating yourself to stop. It wasn't that I worked from home. It was that I sometimes felt as if I was living at the office, which yeah. is a slightly different dynamic, isn't it? How do you train the managers to get the best out of people? and not drive them into the ground? 
first and foremost, you know, our management practices need to adapt to not having employees in line of sight 100% of the time. Uh, and I think this element of, of trust is, is really critical between workers and, and business leaders. And I think there, there is a mindset that has to happen from the boardroom and penetrate across the organization. It's not just the individual leader. And I think the leader's role is shifting. And now we really see that distinct shift from being a supervisor to really being this facilitator between the employee and the employer and the output that is, is delivered by each employee. The other thing is that I keep hearing there are security implications to working uh, remotely. This is not unique to coronavirus. I just wonder if there are security implications and what people can do about that. I mean, yes, definitely, Guy, and, and you're, you're right at the core of it. And the pandemic has, has really accelerated this shift in how and where enterprises are operating. Because, you know, we've seen over the last 10 years that there's been an explosion of devices coming into the corporate environment. And the applications are getting more and more, and people have different expectations than we did 10 years ago. Because in our private lives, we have technology at the fingertips. And we expect the same experience in the office. But now, as we have been through this pandemic period, you know, the, the parameters of the traditional office has really been completely dissolved. And work is more fluent than ever. And everyone and everything has really become mobile. And I think on the one hand, the growing gap between employees' expectations for a productive experience. And on the other hand, IT's need to maintain security. That is one of the key elements we need to make sure that we understand how to manage security in a distributed model to be efficient in the future. Because employees will want to use their devices. They, they want to use the applications. They want to work more flexible. And, and you know, that is not going to change. But we have also seen that many of the attacks, the cybersecurity attacks that we see are now carried out by user devices. Traditionally, desktop, but more recently, mobile devices that kind of inject into the data center and, and expand uh, horizontally from there. And, you know, this environment, constantly changing, highly dynamic, keeping, keeping track of this is going to be one of the key requirements for organizations going forward. I've been home workers since 1993, I should say. Uh, but the important concept that uh, is that I wanted to do it. I haven't applied for other jobs because I like working this way. You wouldn't stick at it this long if you weren't enjoying yourself. Most people out there, I think there must be the vast majority at the moment, have been forced into uh, home working by recent circumstances. I'm wondering what reasons they're giving for not wanting to go back. Is it productivity or is there just an element of fear? Well, I think that there is, is, is several answers to that question, Guy. But uh, as I said, I've been a road warrior myself for many years. And for me, being able to work from home has always been a prerequisite, both in terms of maintaining the career that I have, but also combining that with a family life. And also being able to, to live and work out of Oslo that I have been doing throughout my career. But all of a sudden, we have experienced or, you know, get a, got, we've got a reminder of the different aspects in, in life. And who wants to go back to those really hectic mornings when you're up at 5.30, you know, the, get the kids out of bed, throw them a sandwich, get them to school. You jump in the car, two hours commute into the office. And then you sit in the office until 5 or 6 p.m. You have the same commute back and you barely see the kids before they go to bed. Not even to talk about, I mean, your spouse or, or any loved ones that, that you have. And I think that is 
a major reason why people are really experiencing the benefits that they that you can have in that work-life balance when you can do your work you can be as productive as you used to but you can also have more time getting a work life that is more suited to your needs and the period in your life that you are currently in and i think that has been been key for many workers indeed you've also highlighted managing by outputs i mean i was writing about that in 2014 i'm just wondering why it hasn't been adopted more widely already and was it ever a good idea to manage people purely on whether they happen to be sitting at a particular desk at a particular time i think it is really an ancient leadership model and and you would assume you know that that the line of site management was more a thing of the past but indeed you know and i, I think it's it's just because again it is it is an easy way to really get the notion that people are in the office and you assume that they work i mean they can sit behind the desk and be surfing the internet all day you wouldn't even know as a manager but again you have them in line of sight I work in an industry where we, to a large extent, measure people on the actual output and the engagement and the value. The value to deliver to the customers, the output you get in terms of developing software. The research we have done shows that people are in general more satisfied when they're measured by the output rather than the hours that they put in. So I think that it is is definitely a key differentiator if you want to attract top talent, if you want to be you know, an organization that is really competing for the best people in the future, you need to adopt that model. But it is a, a major organizational change and, and a shift also in, in the leadership focus that is required. And that is not so easy. So how can companies like VMware help? I mean, is, do you do anything um, in terms of helping people with their corporate culture or is it purely technology sale for you? It's always you know, this triage with, with people, process, and technology. And for sure, you know, we are helping organizations become future-ready in terms of the technology platform, but also how they are better able to empower this engaged workforce. So we do gather input from the many customers that we work with worldwide. We get them together. We have these advisory councils where they also get to share experiences on the other topics, you know, people and process and organization. And we are in the middle of this massive shift ourselves. So we are also working with blueprints and best practices for how to tear down the silos, the traditional silos in the organization and how to work in a more horizontal way. Finally, how can listeners find out more about uh, you and what uh, you do? You can go online and, and check vmware.com. You can also do a search on, on my name, look at my LinkedIn profile. I, I publish all the articles, all the research that we do, all the case studies. But hopefully also in, in their corporate environment, they do have a relationship to VMware. And, you know, we would be more than happy to come out and, and talk to the different organizations and, uh, and assess how we can help. Christine Dahlsteidel, Vice President for EMEA at VMware, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Guy. It was a pleasure. And many thanks to you for listening. That was the Near Futurist podcast with me, Guy Clapperton. Don't forget to have a look at the website at nearfuturist.co.uk or my media training site at remotemediatraining.com. I'll be back, as always, in two weeks' time.